Welcome to the DVM Divas podcast. Today, we are going to talk about every veterinarian's least favorite question, I think. What would you do if it was your pet? And then we have, as always, our wins, fails, and hacks. I'm going to share a career-building win. Anne has an HR fail, and Maria has a morale hack that we all definitely could use right now. So join us as we go beyond the stethoscope. Welcome to the DVM Divas podcast. It's no secret that the veterinary profession is made up of thousands of amazing women. In fact, we're more than 60% of the current workforce. But it's also apparent that we've been struggling to stay happy and fulfilled. Well, join us, the DVM Divas, as we take this profession back from discontent. Listen as we explore the concepts that motivate us. Community. Making positive changes. Growth. Compassion. And courage. Laugh with us. Cry with us. Celebrate with us as we define what it means to be a badass woman in veterinary medicine. Well, hello, ladies. Hello. Hi. How are all of you? All of you, both of you. It's only (laughs) three of us. Hanging in there. I'm good. Actually, good. Good. So, Maria, I think you're going to share a picture that you just kind of took of us because we were talking that we are, I don't know, it's what, 27 episodes or ish somewhere there now. And we felt like it was something to commemorate. So, so now is this episode 27? This is episode 28. 28? Look at us go. Thank you all for continuing to listen and support us through the first 27 episodes. We hope that episode number 28 is just as good. Just as good. (laughs) So I don't know about you guys, but I know I get asked the question. I don't know if it's daily. It seems like daily. And I cringe almost every single time that a client asks me, what would you do if it was your dog or your cat or goat or guinea pig or whatever? I hate that question. That's my least favorite. It's like you cringe when they ask it and you know it's coming. And so I don't know about you, but when I was in school, I distinctly remember being taught and trained to not actually answer that question, that they told us that that could be actually brought back as a liability and that could be somehow, I don't know, I don't remember the reasoning behind it, but that we should ever never actually answer that. And so that was sort of ingrained into my psyche for many, many years And I think that now that as time has gone on, there have been times when it has been very appropriate to answer it, but I still struggle with how to answer it. And I just, oh, I just get that gross feeling when it comes up. So Maria, how do you do it? What do you say? And I know there's not just one scenario, but. Right. So the problem is there's not one scenario to really say how to deal with it. But I will say this, while I'm recommending diagnostics and stuff, and they're like, well, what would you do if it was your pet? And my answer is, I like information. So the more information I have, the better I can treat your pet and understand what's going on. And then it really comes down to money at that point, if the client wants to spend the money for it. But that's how I go about answering that. They asked me that question and it's regarding treatment. There's too many variables to relay what my answer will be. If I'm talking about treating like, an 11-year-old golden with lymphoma and them spending $10,000, 
where we know they're not going to have a dog at the end, I will tell them that at some point we do have to be realistic about what their lifespan is. And so I try to be as real as possible with my clients, understanding I never tell people what to do, but saying, look, this is how I would approach it, or this is how I've approached this situation in the past. To me, it puts me in an uncomfortable situation because I do feel like I'm taking liability for it. Like I do feel that if I answer the question and I answer it the way that I would do it and something happens to the pet, they're going to be like, well, Dr. B said to do this. And I'm like, so how do you answer the question without it coming back to you? I always answer it in the it depends on the situation. It depends on the pet. It depends on the home. It depends on everything. And so like for me, I'm always like, I am a mom with a part-time job and a husband and a full-time job and three little girls. So, you know, if we're talking about chemo and trying to keep kids from sharing suckers with the dog, it may not happen in my house. You know, there are limitations to every family. And so I always put it out like that and that you know, my job is to help them riddle through what they can and can't do, what their pet can and can't do. You know, if their pet loves coming to the vet clinic, then hospitalizing them for a day or two, probably the pet won't care. If it's a pet that's stressed out and biting when you put it in the car to come to the clinic, might be a different situation. Do you ever feel emotionally manipulated at all by even just being asked the question? All the time. Not even just by being asked the question, but that's a whole nother topic. Yeah, I know. We brought that up a little bit, but you know, and I keep trying to tell myself that people don't mean it that way. I don't think they mean it that way, but it doesn't keep me from feeling it like that. I think a lot of the times we have to put ourselves in the client's position. You know, putting yourself in their position can help us maybe eliminate that emotional aspect of it. I feel like sometimes people would be surprised to hear what my honest answer would be. Obviously, there's all the snarky, (laughs) snarky answers I really wish I could give. But maybe we can go into some of our favorites of those at the end of the episode. But I think, you know, kind of like you said, Anne, I think some people might be surprised to hear their veterinarian say, you know, I probably wouldn't treat. I wouldn't take on a dog with diabetes that needed twice a day insulin and my busy schedule and lifestyle and, and all of that, knowing that they're going to go blind and knowing all the outcomes that are going to happen. And then sometimes I feel like I can't say that because they need me to say, Oh no, we can save them. We can make it better. And then if I come out and say like, Nope, we're not making this better, that they're not looking for me to say that they want me to be the cheerleader. And then I have to be like, uh, no, I honestly, yeah, like you said, it's that 11 year old golden with lymphoma. I know I can't save that even with all of the heroic treatments. When you know that the end is horrible, it sucks having to say that, but I've gotten to where it's much more humane for me to tell them that. So I was a different like practitioner at the beginning when I started, you know, so, you know, you bring up the diabetes and the insulin and stuff like that. And I have had clients come in and when I've diagnosed diabetes and I know there are going to be vets and there are going to be people that don't agree with us, but I have had the euthanasia talk with them. Oh, every time, every time. But if you read some of the things people are like, no, this is treatable. I'm going to tell you right now, I've had a diabetic cat. It was horrible. He wasn't happy. I wasn't happy. And it was just trying to get him regulated and stuff like that. 
And I think as I, when I first started, I was like, absolutely not. We have to save everything. And I think growing as a practitioner, I've been realizing that we can't save everything and we really have to be realistic because when you diagnose that with a mom that has kids and the animal's not taking the insulin well, and they have to be at the vet all the time and they have to keep trying to regulate this thing. And the animal's getting aggressive because it doesn't like the injections or whatever it is. When they ask us our opinion, sometimes we have to be like, you know what, it's really okay to make them feel better to make a decision like that. And I agree. And I think, you know, I've gotten a lot better about when they ask me that question, you know, sharing stories of the exact same diagnosis, but different families doing totally opposite things. And that that outcome is okay for each of those families. And I think that really helps a lot. And then trying to dig deeper into, okay, what, what is your goal for this patient? Like, do you want the ultimate number of days and you want them to live forever? Which granted, I think we would all answer yes, but okay, that option comes with a cost. You know, there's a cost there. Is that okay to do or not? Or is it, you know, I just want him to live a good life. And to preserve that human animal bond, you know, that's the other thing I've had, you know, with cancer diagnoses, I've had owners come in that are like, you know what, I've got enough now. I think we know it's cancer. I don't want to do anything else. I want to take him home, feed him cheeseburgers every day. We're going to play Frisbee for as long as I can. And I'm going to live in denial, but you know what? I only may get two weeks, two months, whatever. It may not be six months to a year, but these two months are going to be the best two months of his life. And it's like, okay, great. Like, thank you for letting me know that maybe not been the decision I would have made, but fine. It's okay. And I think really digging into their, what they want ultimately is helped a bunch with the question, but I guess I just still never answered the question. Well, and for me, there's a difference between like end of life questions and quality of life questions. I feel much better equipped to answer those. And I feel like I have the words. And like you said, Anne, you know, we, I feel like I can have that talk about what are, are your expectations? You know, when we, if I diagnose something and I know, or we know that things are only going to get worse, you know, they may stay the same, but they're not going to get better. Our best hope is we can maintain where we are, but in all likelihood, it's going to get worse. You know, and then I feel like, okay, we can have that talk about how long do we wait? How long, how bad do we let them get before we make the decision? If we know that this is as good as it's going to get, it's not going to get any better from today. I, I feel like that's a much easier conversation to have. The ones that get me are, are more like the diagnostics and just had a case just this week. It was a young woman who has young children. I, I know enough about the scenario to know that there's not a lot of income there and there's children and there's a lot of extenuating circumstances. It was a five-year-old dog that had started having some seizures. And the question was, do we spend the money on all the blood work? Do we spend the money on this? Do we spend the money on that? Do we just put it on some Valium? Do we put it on the phenobarb? Do And she said, well, what would you do if it was your dog? And her and I are not in the same life position. And so that to me, if I give the honest answer, the honest answer is, well, I can do blood work at really pennies on the dollar. And I know how to monitor for side effects of medication. And I, you know, I, I have so many more perks of the job that make doing that and diagnosing that so much easier. And my, my own dog came in last week because she was vomiting and I did x-rays on her because I could, and it didn't really cost me anything. So what I would do is not what she can do. And that's where I, sh I run into problems. I've used that and I, I try to make light of it 
because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to play into that, like, oh, money grubbing, we're rich, blah, 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 because we're not. And it's actually a true, like a true joke. My dad was razzing me one day because I was like, dad, why didn't you do, you know, it was my school, my dog before I went to vet school, my dad adopted him because an apartment for a 75 pound Catahoula was not ideal. And my roommate had a cat. So <laughs> oh, yeah. it wasn't going to take long for that to happen. So my dad took him and, you know, he had to take him in and I was like, dad, why didn't you do blood work? Why didn't you do this? You know, I was so mad. And he was like, listen here, kiddo, your papa's a mechanic. Do you realize like where the cost goes? And I was like, dad, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, stop. Like, no, just go do the stuff. Like go. And he's like, sweetheart, you get your labor for free. And I was like, oh snap. Everybody always complains that like, mechanics parts are cheap, yeah, but it's the labor that costs money. And so that's how I, like, I make light of it and say that my dad always gives me a hard time that my labor is free because he's a mechanic. And so most clients are like, Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And then we kind of move on, but you know, my dad, my own dad gave me a hard time about it. (laughs) I think it's definitely hard to answer that question because we are able to, to do a lot more than anybody who has a pet because we do get the discounts. And even if we went to the ER, like here, if we went to the ER, there are ERs around here that would give us a 60% discount on what it would cost. So like, so we can do all those diagnostics and, you know, I can take my pet for an abdominal ultrasound at no cost because I'm, I know the person who does it. Like it's not, you know what I mean? So we do have that ability, but I do tell people, look, I like the most information possible to make the best diagnosis. And if I can't get it, it's okay. So this is what it would cost. And if we can't do that, that's really okay because we can try this instead. But like making them realize that even though they can't do gold standard, it's okay. We can try this, but if it doesn't work, then we're going to have to go to that. You know, that's how I word it, but it's hard. I try to like go around the question. I complain about people not really answering the question and talking in circles. That question, I talk in circles and I apologize to my clients for doing that, but I do. You're right. We do to them what they do to us. <laughs> or how about when you, you do actually answer it? Like you're 100% truthful upfront. This is what I would do. And they're like, oh yeah, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Well, then why did you ask? Why did we talk about this? So do you think this is a conversation that comes up in the human medical world, do you think yes. that I asked my pediatrician? Yeah, I asked, I asked my pediatrician. I asked my my pediatrician about my youngest before, and I said, "What would you do?" And you know what? I honestly, but we have insurance, thank God. I honestly do whatever they tell me to do. But I ask that question, even though I will do whatever you tell me to do. I'll still ask the question: What would you do if it was your kid? I guess that maybe that's my question is, do you think that their answers are a little bit different because most people have insurance and I mean, and I know that's not true for everybody. And I know that medical care costs definitely are a factor for a lot of people, but um, you know, if you have HSAs and that kind of thing, but yeah, I feel like maybe in the human world, they'd be like, oh yeah, I would definitely run this test and that test because we're not usually itemizing and nickel and diming as often as we are maybe in our veterinary world. But. You know, when I was having our first, there was some question as to whether or not she should go to the NICU. Cause mm-hmm. I had some, just during delivery, there were some weird things. My water broke two weeks early, mm-hmm. not in the right spot. So like, 
weird. They were really worried about some infection and things. And so, because the nurse was like, well, you don't have to send her to the NICU. And then my doctor came in and was like, what, who? And I was like, legitimately just asking, like, what would you do? And thankfully, like, she just sat down with me and she's like, all right, think about it. Here are our statistics. Let me tell you. And she like, just broke it down. Like, this is your risk percentages. You know, what, what risk are you comfortable with? And I went, none of it. Shipper. <laughs> like I sent Kurt. I was like, Kurt, go with her. Don't leave her alone. He's like, well, I should stay with you. And I'm like, no, I will be fine. I've had an epidural. I'm not going anywhere. I'll be right here when you get back. Yeah, I do, I do think their their answers are going to be a lot different than ours. I do. Like when you, I even asked my GP, he tells me, you know, I would do everything, like everything he recommends. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I'll do it. <laughs> you know, it comes with the cost. And I even wrestle with, and you know, part of this is maybe as a business owner or just even with all the, you know, business consultations and coaching and all that kind of stuff that we've had is that you hate to talk somebody out of doing a test or running a diagnostic. And I, sometimes I do sort of wrestle with that, I guess a little bit is like, well, I do need to have an income and I not saying that we run tests unnecessarily, but if there's a situation where I want to do blood work and x-rays and the client is okay with that, then yes, let's do blood work and x-rays. It's been interesting switching like, cause before I was so much more rural, you know, more mm-hmm. like you, Melissa, like that mixed animal practice. And like people came in with not a lot of money. Now I work in town and our clientele is definitely different. Yeah. And it's all small animal. And we're probably not to like toot our own horn, but one of the best practices locally. We have, you know, the most bells and whistles, if you will. And so like I find myself just walking and being like, oh yeah, watch them for another couple hours. But I'm like, whoa, that's redneck medicine. Yeah. Like that's <laughs> yeah. not oh, like my job is to promote and offer the best of the best. And so I've really had to like switch my all right, every time, first time, what I present is ideal world. And then I try to from there it varies. We can work on it. I offer ideal world, mm-hmm. but sometimes have you ever offered ideal world and then regret offering it? <laughs> oh yeah. Yes, for sure. No, no, no. I always offer ideal. Um, I will even run tests if the clients are like, no, I want this done. And even if I don't think it's necessary, I'll say, well, I really don't think it's necessary, but if you want it done, this is the cost. I will do it because sometimes it's just their peace of mind. I'll always focus on what the client has concerns about. If there's something else that I have concerns about, it will be brought up. I will fully admit, sometimes my recommendations change on the day of the week and the time of the day. Monday, 8 a.m., yeah, let's keep an eye on it. Let's see what happens. Friday, 3 p.m., nope, we're running all the tests right now. We are not waiting, (laughs) you know? So that's the reality of it because if I feel like, yeah, sometimes, especially at the time of the um, week and the day, because like if Monday you run everything and everything's fine, the clients are like, well, we didn't really need to run this. But if you hold off on Friday night, they'll end up in emergency Saturday morning if you're not open or I'll be the one coming in in the middle of the night because I'm the emergency. Yeah. And I've, but I've even used that as a, like a motivator to run more diagnostics. I'll be like, Hey, look, you know, it is, Friday at two o'clock, we are going into the weekend. If we wait on this, it's going to be Sunday afternoon and it's going to be more money for you to have it worked up then. And we might as well do it now rather than waiting till then. And a lot of people are like, oh yeah, that makes sense. So from what I'm gathering from you guys is honesty is usually the best policy. There may be a few asterisks to that rule and that it's okay to 
talk in a few circles. Lots of disclaimers. But I think what it really boils down to is that we have to keep in mind, not just the patient. And I think we are so ingrained to patient first, patient only, that sometimes that maybe gets us into a little bit of trouble when we do forget about the clients and we do have to take into consideration their life challenges and their life scenario. Not that we need to become social workers, not that we need to become therapists and counselors, but having a little bit of information, I think will make a big difference. And if we can draw on our own experiences, you know, knowing that we may or may not be able to treat a pet in that situation. And if we honestly feel like we can't treat a pet, then we need to just tell them that and make it, make it okay to make some tough decisions because those are tough decisions. And I think that's where some empathy and things like that come into play. And sometimes it is okay not to treat. So that being said, what are some fun things um, that you guys wish you could say? I don't know if you really want to know that answer. <laughs> oh, we all already know the answer. Honestly, I, there's, and again, and I know I've, I've said this sort of thing before, but it, it, some of it does come from living in a small town and knowing everybody's business. There are times when people have asked me, what would you do? And I have really, really been very tempted to make a comment along the lines of, well, I wouldn't have rescued this dog to begin with knowing that I had 15 bills to pay and two kids that needed clothes on their back. I've never said that. Thankfully, I have been darn close a couple of times. How about not rescue the dog, but pay like $2,000 for the dog and not be able to afford anything that's wrong with it because the dog came with like 15 different congenital problems. But don't worry, because the breather bred for high quality. (laughs) Right. I know I've always wanted to say like, are you attached to like cats or are you attached to dogs? Like just kind of general species and be like, or are you attached to this particular one? Because if it's this one, we got some chatting to do. If it's any other one, it's a different story. (laughs) Oh yeah. That's a good one. But that's like horrible, horrible, horrible. How about when they come in, the dog's been vomiting for like, I don't know, a week and they go, well, doc, what would you do? And your answer really should be, well, I would have brought the dog in when the dog couldn't keep anything down for the first night. Or when they come in with the mammary tumor and they ask you, what would you do? And I'm like, I would have spayed her. Yes. That's what I would have done <laughs> or pyometra or whatever, you know? Well, see, I would never have had this problem. So <laughs> we wouldn't have made it this far. <laughs> I honestly don't know because never would have gotten here in the first place, but we can't. We can't say that. Or the parvo positive dog he would have vaccinated. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. We see a lot of strange exotics for me. And somebody's like, well, what would you do with this snake? And I'm like, I wouldn't have one to begin with because they terrify me. <laughs> I don't care how big they are, how little they are, how nice they are. They scare the crap out of me every time. That's how I feel about birds. Or it's like when people ask me, what would they do if it was my guinea pig and anymore? I'm like, you might as well just go buy the new guinea pig now because we all know my track record in guinea pigs. So. I'll keep my comment about those animals to myself. It's $35 at the pet store. I won't name specific pet stores, but you know, around Christmas time, they're generally around $35. So People bring in chickens. They're like, well, how would you treat my chicken? And I'm like, 
My kids really like chicken noodle soup. Chicken nuggets are good. <laughs> Sorry to all of the vegetarians and vegans who are listening. We don't mean to offend. I had pet chickens growing up. They were amazing. Yeah. They're awesome little birds. Let's move into our wins, fails, and hacks. Let's start with our fail. And you had a bit of a um, HR fail. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah. So I'm super excited. We have a new grad that started at the clinic. She's amazing. Super excited to get to know her. Her first name is a very common first name in our practice. Technicians, everybody has the same first name. We have like two or three names that are very common. So like I needed her attention and it was like she was walking out one door and I was like coming in. So I like needed to verbally say, excuse me, please stop, come back, whatever. And I couldn't, I totally blanked on her last name because she's new. So I'm not totally familiar. All I could remember was her first name. But then I looked in the room and like, there's two more of them. So it's like all three of them would have whipped around, right? So instead, in my panic, I yell out, hey, newbie. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, that was horrible. I was like, I am so sorry. That was very demeaning. I didn't mean it. Like, you're a doctor too. I'm so glad you're here. And he's <laughs> like, what is your problem? Like, it's fine. I'm the new kid. It's okay. And I was like, no, like, I need to call you doctor. Like, I'm really sorry. And she's like, really? It's okay. There's like 80 million of us, you know, with the same first name. So you can't yell my first name. It's fine. It's okay. I knew who you were talking to. And I was like, okay. So I have a question. <laughs> yeah, it was horrible. It happens. It happens. Well, I mean, and like she said, she's like, no, it's okay. Like, I'm not upset by it. Like, you weren't saying it meanly. It's not like you've tagged me the newbie and it's horrible. How about you just call her by her last name? She got to learn her last name then. So (laughs) I'm horrible with human names. Human names do not stick in my head. See, we have nicknames for everybody. See, we have nicknames too, but she's new. So what do you... Newbie? Well, newbie seems appropriate. It does seem appropriate, (laughs) honestly. You know, at least you didn't pick some physical attribute and like point that out or something. We had a new vet start last year and I called her mini me because people would get us confused, but she's like a foot and a half shorter than I am. She said it was okay. I I at least knew her. I knew her for like five or six months before we broke out the mini me. So, well, you know, it's okay. It's okay. Yes. You recognize that that was not the best thing to do and you're making an effort to um, make amends. So we'll forgive you. We'll give you some grace. All right, let's go into our hack. Maria, you have a, a good morale boosting hack for us. What is that? So lately, obviously everyone has been very down and we were trying to figure out ways that we can really bring back morale. And I... Me, I love social media. I don't really care what people say. I don't really care if I make a fool out of myself. It's just something fun. And I don't care if people are um, trying to get information or whatever the conspiracy stuff is. It doesn't matter to me because I'm an open book. So a couple of months ago, I was told I should look at TikTok. And <laughs> I honestly had no idea about it. I tried, I downloaded it months ago and I was like, oh, this is so dumb. I can't understand it. So, you know, if you notice that everyone's doing TikTok, blah, 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 blah. And like, this is how people are letting things go. So I decided to download it again. And I said, let's TikTok. So we have been. 
at work, you've been TikToking. At work. We Is have- that right? Is it TikToking? Is that what you do? I really don't know. I'll call it quote unquote dancing <laughs> because let me tell you, I suck at it. Um, I am awful at it and it's just a lot of fun. So every day when I work, the staff is like, what are we going to TikTok today? So we do spend like our lunches and stuff looking for things to TikTok. And if we're at home looking, we'll tag each other in things to find things to TikTok. So we have duetted with Alfonso, what's his name? Ribeiro? Yes, him. We duetted with him. Carlton from the Fresh Carlton. We duetted with him. We did a duet, duetted. I don't really know. But this has made us so much happier and we're able to come into work and it's something to look forward to. It's something to really like just get our energy out, like something that's a focus for the day. You know, people aren't really being that nice. So we are trying to like take our energy instead of being upset about it, turning it into something positive. So this is my morale hack to really, even if it's not TikTok, because I know a lot of people don't like it, but even if it's not that, but finding something that your staff can focus on to get through everything that's bringing them down, no matter what it is. If you're on TikTok, you might want to start following hashtag DVM Divas because you may see some stuff on there. Just FYI. Probably just see Maria for right now. Yep. (laughs) I enjoy them though. I do. I do. I like watching them. I'm just not courageous enough to do them myself. I don't have time to learn it. I'm impressed. Well, and I have been making some private because I'm like, oh my God, I don't know if I'm ready to share this with the world, but for the most part, they are all public and like we're, it's just, it's fun. And it's something that I do recommend that people do. Yeah. Anything you can do to just keep things a little bit more lighthearted, whether, whether it's making a TikTok or watching a TikTok, you know, just taking those few minutes each day to just do something that will make you laugh or make you smile or just like you said, just increase the positive energy. Even a little bit goes a long, long way. So I think that is a great hack. All right. So I guess I will share my win. So in this last week or two, I've been, it's become glaringly obvious that I have been needing to update some of my um, career documents. I don't know, for lack of a better word, I've had to kind of create a new resume. Not that I'm looking for a new job, but just because I've got some different professional things, whether it's speaking or this or that, people have requested a resume. And I have been at the same practice for 14 years. And honestly, I didn't have to really apply for this job. So I really have not had to apply for a job since I was in veterinary school. So I haven't had to make a resume in almost 20 years. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. And the last one I made was obviously way before any sort of social media or anything like that. So I finally decided just today that I needed to update my resume or create a resume. And it wasn't really that painful. I, I was really dreading it and I've been dragging my feet on it. But honestly, there's so many like free software programs out there that have templates and you just drag and drop and they look pretty. And I did that and I felt like it turned out okay. <laughs> so It did. It's perfect. I love it. I looked at that and I was like, oh my God, like makes me want one. I know. And I guess, so that's sort of my, I guess, message is even if you don't necessarily need a new resume, just do it. I mean, you never know. I mean, you don't, at first I was like, oh, I can't really, if I make a resume, that's going to mean I'm, I'm looking 
to do a new job or that kind of thing. And it's not that at all, you know, and some of it even goes back to, um, I had some pictures done recently kind of for the same, same sort of function. I've had some requests of if you submit an article or you submit this or that to some of these digital type publications or speaker requests, they want a headshot. I didn't have a headshot. I had a picture that our receptionist took of me in front of the clinic seven years ago with her iPhone, you know, that was on our clinic website. That's what I had. There wasn't really truly a headshot. And so I finally decided that I was going to ask a local photographer friend to take some pictures of me, just me, no kids, no husband, just me. And I really wrestled with that too. I felt like that was selfish. I felt like that was indulgent. I felt like, why do I need this? But I will tell you, it was so much fun. It was even different than family pictures. Like, because honestly, I don't think I could have done it with my family staring at me and my kids making fun of me and my husband laughing at the poses that we were doing and, you know, taking the direction of angle your hips this way and turn your chin this way and, you know, that kind of thing. But I will tell you, it made all the difference in the world because they came out better than I ever would have imagined. And it was worth it. And it was worth it even if you aren't needing it for any sort of professional thing. If you just want a good Instagram picture of yourself, if you just want a good profile pic on Facebook, do it, do it. It is worth it. You are worth it. And there's no reason to not do it because you will finally have that good picture of you and not like me, the off angle selfie that never looks good ever. So that's my win is that I invested some time into my own personal I call them career wins, but even it's just, I think just personal win of kind of focusing and highlighting me just to do it. And I highly recommend everybody do it. I love it. Good job. They, they were really, she did a very, very nice job. The lighting and hair gods were in my favor that day. And the Kansas wind gods were in my favor that day. So I, yeah, it was fun. It was, so that's my win is that. I did those things that I was very uncomfortable to do, but I'm so glad I did them. Well, Anne and Maria, thank you for joining me tonight on this, our 28th episode. We're, we're moving right along. So I think the question that we talked about tonight, the, what would you do if she were yours is something that we all struggle with and there's not an easy answer, but honesty is usually the best and maybe filtered honesty. Maybe that's a better thing. Filtered honesty is usually the best, the best answer there. And then we had some good wins, fails, and hacks tonight. So thank you everybody for listening. And as always, join us next time as we go beyond the stethoscope. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the DVM Divas podcast. Want to know more about us? then visit our website at dvmdivas.com or find us on all of our social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Pinterest, and even LinkedIn. Just look for at dvmdivas. We can also be reached by email at admin at dvmdivas.com. Don't want to miss an episode? Be sure to subscribe. And while you're at it, rate, review, and share. Your online love really does help. And tune in next week as we once again go beyond the stethoscope.